Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. We should stop praying when you realize that your prayer was not really God's will. We prayed selfishly. And when I see that happening, I often say this to God, God, I wrote it like this. Thank you for showing me my prayer was selfish and not in line with your word. That's why he didn't answer because it wasn't in his will. I prayed something that was my will and not his. We want to think that just because we pray that our prayers are automatically God-approved and somehow purged of any selfish motives. Truth be told, many times our prayers are so filled with wrong motives that they bounce off the ceiling back to the floor. Jesus using the parable of the two praying men illustrates the wrong as well as the right way to pray. More importantly, he tells us the right and wrong attitudes to have. Pastor Mark will be sharing this story, teaching us the importance of humility in our attitudes when approaching God in prayer. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. He'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Luke chapter 16 with part two of his message, Two Keys of Successful Prayer. Those of you that have relatives and friends, sons, daughters, moms, dads, Satan wants you to give up praying. God says, stick with it. Go back for prayer. But Pastor Mark, I haven't heard. Stick with it. Do you know that God wants our loved ones, our neighbors, our friends saved more than you and I do? So the challenge to you this morning is start praying again for those individuals. Don't give up. Put the name on the list. From time to time, bring them before God. Now, is there ever a time to stop praying for someone or something? Is there ever a time to go, okay, that's it. I'm stopping praying. Yes, I'll give you three. There's probably many more examples, but I'll give you three. I stop praying when God gives us his answer. Now, what are the three answers that God gives us with prayer? You remember, the, you remember your bracelet? Yes, no, wait. Now, in unison, on the count of three, tell me which one of those three, yes, no, or wait, is your favorite answer from God? One, two, three. Yes. Exactly. If somebody said no, they are lying right now. And yet, you know this if you've been a Christian a while. Sometimes the no answers were way better than any yes answer I got. 
Some of you could have married one of those yes things. But God said no. Let's all just say hallelujah right now. You remember the dating? And you went to the 12th anniversary or some of your high school, and you look across the room and go, thank you, Jesus. Right the problem is, across the room, they're going, thank you, Jesus. And they're looking at us. Is that right? That's right. So why would I stop praying? Because he's answered. He knew what the answer was, and he finished. When's another time to stop praying? When circumstances change. For instance, you're praying for a job and God gives you a job. Why would you pray? Well, you go to pray. Well, God, that's not really the job I wanted. What? No, he answered your prayer. He gave you that job. That's a job. That's where he wants you. So you stop praying. Here's another. When circumstances change, you were praying for Sue to be your wife, but Sue just married Bob. Well, I'm still praying for Sue. What are you, nuts? (laughs) She's already married. It's over. It's finished. Look for Alice, something. Go somewhere else. See, sometimes we were just crazy. Of course you're going to stop. Those circumstances have changed. She's picked somebody else. I have a little sign on my desk when people come in. It just says this, get over it. That ends most of my counseling. It's wonderful, really. I'm just like, no, I'm not like that judge. All right, now, here's another one. This is a big one for all of us. We should stop praying when you realize that your prayer was not really God's will. We prayed selfishly. And when I see that happening, I often say this to God. God, I wrote it like this. Thank you for showing me my prayer was selfish and not in line with your word. That's why he didn't answer. Because it wasn't in his will. I prayed something that was my will and not his. So I have to stop praying because I'm not going to pray that prayer again. So success in prayer comes from asking God what he wants and not what we want. Remember, God always knows best. Now, there's one other thing that's kind of a side issue, but it's really there. God is ready to answer, so also pray expectantly. We're not like the judge. We have to go back over and over again. God is never going to answer me. I know he's never going to. No, no, no. You want to expect God to answer, because he will. In his timing, in one of those three ways, he will absolutely answer them. I love Psalm 5.3. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my request to you and I wait expectantly. See, when that lady went to the door every morning or how often she went to the judge, she probably never expected to get any relief, any help. But that's not the way our God is. Now, when you see that happening, you understand the scripture Jesus in Matthew 7 taught it like this. Ask, seek, and knock. Symbolism for prayer. A-S-K. Easy to remember. But in the original language, it doesn't mean that. It means keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking. See, it's persistence 
Now, when God isn't responding immediately to us, is he being up in heaven basically saying this? Um, I'm going to frustrate Balmer for a while. No, he's not saying that at all. It can be frustrating to us. But here's what I want you to write. While I'm waiting and continuing to pray to God, never demanding, just reminding him what I'm praying for, waiting for God to answer, builds our patience and trust in God. Because if I get frustrated, God can say, okay, they're angry down there. They want, I'll just give them some answer. Here, have an answer. No, God never does that. He waits to give us the right answer. Now, he wants good for you. He wants to bless you. He wants to minister to you. He wants you to live in his favor. So you have to realize you have to trust. So while I'm waiting for that answer to come, he's building my faith. Very often, that can be in a sickness or that can be in a job situation. And you're waiting. Well, he's building your faith. I should, I, I, I persist. I'm still going to pray and I'm going to expect God to answer. And when he answers me, it's going to be good for me. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. So it's not going to be a bad answer. It's going to be a good answer. But I just have to understand there's going to be the times that all of us get frustrated. So it's important to be persistent in our prayers with expectation and just have some patience. Just have some patience because God is going to use that patience and that trust to build us. I know God's come through. If you doubt that, look back at your prayer journal at all the things God has done. And all those things when we thought, man, this is a showstopper. This is never going to get solved. And all of a sudden, when you look back a year, two years, six months ago, three weeks ago, God came through. That's our God. He's not like the judge. Get him out of my hair. I'll answer something. No, he loves to hear you pray to him and praise when the answer comes. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Now, it is important to be persistent, but Jesus gives us the second key to successful praying. It's another picture of contrast between two different kind of people. Here we go. Verse 9. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down at everyone else. Who in the world is Jesus talking about? The Jewish religious leaders. They were self-righteous. We're better than anybody else. And we're good, in fact, so good, we really don't need God. So he is speaking right to them. They won't like this parable, but you'll see the contrast of the parable. Now, he says this, verse 10. Two men went to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Verse 11. And the Pharisee, that religious Jewish leader, stood by himself and he prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even that tax collector right over there. I fast twice a week. 
And I paid 10% of my tithes on everything, even the mint and the little spices. Well, here's a picture of self-righteousness. They trusted in their own works, keeping the law and their own abilities. When you see verse 11, 12, it would sound like this from that man. God, you're so, so fortunate to have me as one of your children. There's nobody better than me. I know you love just hearing my name. It just brings goosebumps to you. That's the way he would have said it. You love me, but you don't love that guy and all these other sinners. You just love me. And basically, they would say something like this. I am far better than other people, and I know you grade on the curve. And I always set the curve. How many remember in college, somebody in your class always set the curve? Can you remember when college? The high one. You were not happy with that person. Because what happened, everybody else fell way under it. Some of us, we fell down on the other end of the curve. Do you remember? How did we ever get through? So this is what this guy is saying. By the way, that's bad theology. God does not grade on the curve. Thank you, Jesus. He grades on grace. We admit we need help. You'll see it in a moment. That's the way he does this. Good? I'll give it to you. Good people don't go to heaven. Only forgiven people go to heaven. So this guy's, his idea is wrong. Now think about this. What you just read, I want you to think about this for a moment. What you just read from this man, God, I thank you that I'm the best there is. I'm not like those other people. Did he really pray? No, he's given a report to God of how good he is. When I saw this, I wrote this down. This was not really a prayer, but a personal eulogy. He's wrote this eulogy for his death. When those little, either his body's there being entombed or they have the ashes. I'm here today to honor Mark Walmer. He's written me his eulogy. Here it is. I'm so glad that God, I'm better than anybody else. And you like me more than any of those people here at the funeral. I'm better than all of you. Is that a prayer? That's not a prayer. That's putting everybody else down and building who up? Mwah. Only me. So why would Jesus do that? Because that's the way the self-righteous people were, those leaders. Now, he's basically saying, look how good I am. I tithe 10% on everything. I fast twice a week. Now, that doesn't mean anything to us. But the Jewish people fasted once a year. So he's going to say, once 52 weeks? No, no, no. I fast twice a week. And he's just basically, he doesn't ask God for anything. He doesn't thank God for anything. It's not a prayer. It's simply a prideful statement of his self-worth that he thinks. He's trying to prove he's self-sufficient and he doesn't need God at all. Now, here's the contrast. Watch the contrast. We have the religious leader I just shared with him. Here comes the tax collector, verse 13. But the tax collector stood up at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, 
God, have mercy on me as a sinner. Now think about that. In those days, tax collectors were hated because they would, well, they were Jews and they worked for the Romans. They they would tax the Jewish people and add a little bit for themselves on there. There was always a cut that they would, so people hated them. Matthew, before he became a disciple, was a tax collector. But we see a huge contrast. The tax collector's posture won't look up and his words are filled with humility. He knew he was a sinner. He had been convicted of his sin and he knew he needed one thing, forgiveness. The tax collector had come to God with an attitude, that's the key, an attitude of humility, recognizing his lack of being able to please God in his need for God's mercy. Now watch the application from Jesus. Look at verse 14. I tell you that this man, which man? Tax collector. Rather than the other, the religious leader, went home justified before God. God realized it, forgave him, of his sins. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. The Pharisee walked away. He is humbled. He got no response from God at all because he never even asked for anything. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. The tax collector was forgiven because he had a humble attitude and he acknowledged his needs that his sins needed to be forgiven. The only way you'll ever get to heaven is to humble yourself and say, I need God's forgiveness. You will never get to heaven by saying, God, here's all I did for you. Good works are fine, but they'll never get you there. And see, you have a sin nature and we sin by practice. And the only way any of us, when we became a Christian, I had to ask God's forgiveness. It was humbling. I had to admit that I was a sinner. When we go through the week and we're Christians, we still sin. We have to go to 1 John 1, 9. God, I'm asking you to forgive me that sin. That was stupid what I did there. That's humbling. If I put a list this morning of all the sins Christians have done this week, by your name with a Facebook right after it, here's what she did. Here's what he did. Would anybody be going, that's me on the screen. No, you go like this. Nobody knows me, do they? Because we'd be what? Humbled. If I exalt myself, what happens? Nothing good. I'm going to be humbled. But if I humble myself and go, yeah, that's me. I needed God's forgiveness again. Praise God. He doesn't go, again, Mark Balmer? Yes, I'll forgive you. Why? Grace. Grace. Now, what is the second key? You should already know. Humility is key number two to successful prayer. You don't ask God and go, God, I got the answer. Just want your rubber stamp. Thank you so much. No, we're humble. God, I need you. I need your wisdom. I need your direction. I can't do life alone. I just can't. So he's talking about our attitude. Interesting. God exalts the humble, but humbles those who exalt themselves. Now, Think about this. In this room, every single one of us are prideful people. 
There isn't a person here that doesn't battle pride. Not one. And we battle it our whole life. It's one of the huge sins. That's how the world got started with Satan taking over this world. Because he wanted to outdo God. And God said, through with you. That sin of pride has come to you and me. And we all struggle with it. Because it's, who would, if I just read you that verse, if you're going to be humble, God will exalt you. If you're going to be prideful, he'll humble you. Who would want to be prideful? But we do it because we're sinful people. Now, watch this. You know this from God. God hates pride, but he loves humility. Notice James 4, 6. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. What does pride look like? Well, pride is simply this. Too big a view of me, too small a view of God. It's like taking binoculars and reversing them. So I'm the one that's important. And God is really small. That's simply pride. It leads to overconfidence, a cocky attitude, self-wisdom, just like we heard the religious Jewish person say, I'm your favorite. I really don't need you, God. So thank you so much. Can't wait to see you in heaven. But spiritual pride is always this as well. I want my agenda and not God's agenda. So there's no reason to even pray. I'll just do life my way. But the Bible says this, Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. I've experienced that many times in my life. Because people that are in front, Pastors, musicians, owners, presidents, vice presidents, congressmen, people that are always in the news, head news cat, we're always in front of people. We have much more chance to be prideful, but every single one of you do as well. Now, there's another part that we saw that you would say doesn't really happen, but it does. The Pharisee was not only prideful against God, he was prideful against other people. You remember what he said in his quote prayer to the tax collector? And I'm not like that guy. So what was he doing? I'm better than you. So Pastor Mark, I never think I'm better than anybody else. There will be an altar call at the end. Because we've all been there. Now, let me tell you this. Pride is looking down at others. Because they're not as good as me. The Bible speaks over and over about God's desire for us to be humble. The story Pastor Mark shared and taught from today reminds us of this fact. It's good for us to remember that lack of humility. Pride will seep into every relationship we have. Even our relationship with the Almighty God will be tainted by this. We need to remember all God's done for us. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com 
and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed. Or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. The next portion of this teaching will find us concluding this particular message of Jesus on prayer. In the meantime, it might be beneficial for us to remember to allow God to keep us humble, as unpleasant as that sometimes might be. Pastor Mark taught that eulogizing ourselves to God is not the way to approach the Father. That was a good lesson to learn. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Everyday Life of Jesus. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is giving.